to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast, where we help you discover gospel clarity and openness in a new way by letting go of the culture and finding your truth while having some fun doing it. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Peck and Luann Roundy. All right, everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Here we are continuing our series in Boundaries. If you have been following this particular series on Boundaries, you know that we have been under-promising and over-delivering. <laughs> all kinds I'd rather of, do that than over-promising and under-delivering. Like a lot of companies do. That's right. That's why we have bad customer service experiences like that. But no, no, no. We, uh, we're doing it right out the gate here. Underpromise, overdeliver, bringing you value, stacking the value on boundaries, and what a course it has been, what a series. I think it's a little <laughs> heavier than some of our other ones, but I it's, totally. it's perfect because I, I think I've said this: every person I work with, I always have come back to boundaries. It's something that is woven through every part of our life and difficult to. It's continually changing, and it's. Even boundaries with the pandemic change drastically if you look at that, and they're always going to be changing, and it's understanding how do I best work with what I'm presented with. That's That's very interesting to see uh, because the boundaries with the pandemic have created a divide Mm -hmm. among people, like crazy to the point where people are taking sides and they're fighting one another and all these all these really the, this prophecy kind of is what it is if you you know read the scriptures maybe revelations about the last days a lot of this kind of stuff is happening right and and we don't know how it is going to mass manifest itself which is very interesting to see who thought that the pandemic would kind of create all this with boundaries with masks and with travel and uh, you know all of these mandates that we've been given worldwide. Understandably, that things are necessary for a pandemic, of course. We don't want to uh, have boundaryless pandemic situation. Well, here. we tried that, and it didn't work very well. True. Right. And so, uh, but I think that at the same time, it creates an opportunity for you know people who are not followers of Christ, let's say, whose, uh, whose uh, agenda might be uh, leaning in the other direction. Uh, it gives them an opportunity, especially the people in power, right? It gives them an opportunity for control. That's kind of how I see this a lot, and I, we're not trying to get into a big political. debate here. No, we don't want to, but it's all about boundaries again, and even yeah. the people in political troll, it's a, a control, it's a boundary for them, a boundary with self of at what point do I have my boundaries extend out to the entire population and what point do I give them their freedom and and it's been a difficult balance because it's something that's unknown and I think that's been the hardest part is as we have found more information understanding what the true boundaries needed to be and then having a level of respect for that yeah it's true and and uh, it'll be interesting to see how things move forward from here there at this recording there's talk of possibly another mask mandate which uh, will pretty much create anarchy, I think, with yeah. uh, with society if we go there. Who knows what will happen? And, uh, again, this is uh, not uh, here to spark a debate with anybody. You know, believe what you want to believe and follow what boundaries you think are right for you. Uh, everyone's got a different opinion on some of this stuff, and it's okay, and there's no judgment, and uh, it's okay. Unless you are somebody who's 
wearing a mask, driving by yourself in your car, then I judge. <laughs> that's where I judge because that's I just laugh. insane. I, I just know. laugh and I think, oh, <laughs> all right. I don't know. I, I got to wonder, you know, what, how easily influenced these people are or if they ever think for themselves. Or I don't think they really understand the, the point of all of that. Or maybe they're just kind of a dumbass. I don't know. <laughs> it, that's what comes to mind for me. I'm not sure. Uh, not for us to judge, but uh, that, that's, uh, that's a funny situation to me personally. Uh, however... Uh, no worries. So this is not a pandemic uh, boundary nope. uh, episode, believe nope. it or not. Because uh, it's even funner than it's that. Even it's boundaries funner. with your kids. And boundaries with kids <laughs> is the funnerest. Well, I'm going to make all kinds of words up today. Yeah, the funnerest thing in yeah. our entire life, because children are, there's a book called Children the Challenge. It's really old. And I read it when I was back in my undergrad. And I, I just loved it because I, it, children are the biggest challenge that we'll ever have in our life and the biggest blessing. And it's a difficult balance between the two. But also the biggest challenge. You said that part, right? Yeah, yeah okay. that would overweigh the other one many days. <laughs> it of. seems like it. Well, now, not so bad when the kids are grown. Uh, it's not uh, that mm, much of a challenge. It can still kind of be challenging. Oh, it can be, but it's it's not. The, it's different challenges. And, it well, these kind of challenges don't take up your time like the challenges do when they're actually growing up. And and it's a different challenge. Right. Whenever kids are little, it's the challenge more physically of boundaries. Whereas whenever they're teenagers, it's emotional, mental um, boundaries. Sure, they want the physical boundaries, but they push in many different ways and they just need more of an emotional connection. And uh, kids, little kids just connect emotionally very easily and it's more physical boundaries of, you know, don't eat a bug, can't go out and just run around the pool and have, you know, free time to fall in and drown, you know, those things that are very, they, it's their safety. Whereas teenagers, it's more about trust, which is an emotion, you know, this feeling mm-hmm. and emotion of trust. Um, and it's, it's just different. It is uh, very different and it's all part of the circle of life as we know. And, um, that's okay. We love our kids and, uh, we used to be kids ourselves. So hopefully, uh, we've all had good experiences, uh, growing up and uh, setting boundaries, but we're going to talk about that uh, because that is a real problem out there in terms of uh, boundaries and, and kids because it is critical to establish boundaries when children are children, right? When, when we're at that age, uh, because if not, children grow up to, pe- to be people who are boundaryless. And I'm going to go back even to when children are infants. Because boundaries with infants, I realize there aren't many, but there still need to be some that if you constantly reinforce, let's say even a boundary is if an infant is crying, I'm going to go and pick them up, I'm going to try. That's a boundary, and they're setting that expectation, and you and the parent comes back with it. But even things of whenever they aren't crying for a real reason, but the parent is constantly holding them constantly you know having them be there as opposed to letting them have their alone time it's a boundary that's crossed already and that infant never learns to be autonomous like there's this i'm separate feeling that starts to grow within them it starts it starts young and it's mm-hmm. understanding the balance between do they need my attention or are they just simply acting out and I'm reinforcing? Because even when they're young, they have cries that are different. And it's it's understanding and being in tune. And that's the biggest thing we're going to talk about. Being in tune and listening to what the child is saying even at that point. And if it starts young, it's going to continue through when they're kids. So it's it's from yeah. the beginning. It, it absolutely is. And uh, you know, even at that stage when they're that young and they're crying and you instantly go and pick them up, 
every time they cry, you are sending a message that all I have to do is cry and I get your attention. And then that, that will just kind of continue to reinforce Mm -hmm. and and grow to to, to the point when they're uh, toddlers and and tweeners and things like that, that they just have to cry or they just have to get mad at you and you're going to come and and do all that. And uh, and that is a a thing that I see in in the LDS culture. Um, Let's just, uh, let's just jump in the soapbox. Right oh off the boy. bat here. That took all of what two, three minutes? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that it's uh, seven. But uh, <laughs> okay. who's counting? <laughs> it goes by fast when you're having fun. Exactly. So uh, that's something I've noticed a big problem in in the culture of the Elders Church. And again, you know, we like to pick on that because that's sort of our bailiwick in a sense. That's our the uh, experiences that we know. This may be similar in other societies and churches and whatnot. But uh, because there's such a focus on family in the LDS church specifically, that, I don't know, that kind of gets, I don't want to say misinterpreted, but I, I see a lot of mothers especially who can't cut the cord with their kid. They can't allow their kids to separate. They don't want to separate. They always want to be with their kids. They always want to be around their kids. And I understand being involved in your, in your children's lives, but um, how many times have you heard you know someone say, you know, they see a picture memory pop up on Facebook where their kid was five years old and now the kid is 15 or whatever. And they say, oh, I wish I could have them back at that age and all this kind of stuff, right? And it's like, well, yeah, I get that's a cute age. My kids are adorable at that age. And I love the pictures of my kids. They're absolutely the cutest kids ever at that age. I think all kids are. And it's, it's wonderful. And you do kind of miss that stage. But at the same time, I think that kind of delves deeper into more of a, of a connection thing with the mom, right? Where she doesn't want to let go of the kid and, and, and wants to kind of have that constant connection all the time where you don't really have it now when they're a teenager because they want to go off and be away from their parents and do that. But I don't know. What do you think? Is there something about that well, kind of a thing? It seems a, it's, and that, it's very common. So that kind of goes into boundaries with self, but it's boundaries with your kids also. Because when she says, oh, I wish my child were still five. I miss that so much. That's more of a boundary with yourself. And that really is a shaming statement because it's it's boundaries with the past. The past is in the past and we're here in the present moment and just being present to what is. If I want my five-year-old back, it's basically telling my 15-year-old, I don't want you. Yeah. And that's and that is a hurtful statement of like, well, okay, I understand I was five, but why would you rather have me as a five-year-old? Don't you love me as a 15-year-old? Because it does send that message in an undercurrent. I right. realize that's not... It's not the intention. Correct. But that is, if you make that statement, oh, I'd rather have you back as a five-year-old, that's... It's impossible, number one, but you're basically telling them, I don't love and accept you the way that you are now. And it's it's realizing and understanding what those statements and what those comments bring to the moment because we can't ever go back. And it's right. interesting that people still hold on to those things as opposed to saying, wow, you were sure cute when you were five and I love you so much now that you're 15. You're just... It, you grew up and ruined it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you just went into unhealthy and you ruined right. it. But, but <laughs> And 15 is just a different place. And it's it's loving where they're at and loving them for who they are. Because guess what? Who they were spiritually at five is still who they are spiritually at 15. It just gets a little lost sometimes. But if you look in their eyes and you look deep, you go, still the same person in there. It's well, yeah, and I, I think you know when they say that that they're missing that stage where they can be completely connected, right, to to the to the kid because kids at that age, two, three, four, and five, need their mom all the time. 
they, they're always close to their mother. There's still some separation well, they anxiety. they need them to survive. Need I need you to, to feed me. I need you to help me go to the bathroom or change my diaper. I need you to put me Love to bed me and, yeah, right everything. at a certain time. I, and 15-year-olds and don't need that anymore. And no. that's where parents, if they need to be needed, which is unhealthy, and that's a codependent place to be, that, that boundary, and that's an, a lack of boundaries again, it's saying, no, I want you to have your boundaries. I want you to be 15. I want you to want, go to bed at the correct time. I want you to choose foods that are healthy for you. You may not always do it and I'm not going to force you and, and it's allowing them that. And that's what we're going to get into is that change and why we have families and how we learn and grow through that. But it's, it's, it's a con and we're going to make mistakes and it's understanding and listening and just being aware and being able to say, you know, if, if a kid comes in and says, what, you don't like me when I'm 15? No, I do love you. And not longing for those days because you look at them as a brighter day of, okay, well, you didn't talk back to me as much when you were five or, you know, push as much against the boundaries. It just depends on the kid, but it's, it, you love your child because they're pushing, because that means they want to be independent and they want to learn and grow and pushing against the boundaries is how they're going to learn. And that's a healthy thing to do. Cause if they never pushed, they would stay the same. And you don't want that. No, that's not. I mean, our purpose here is to progress. And that's what God wants for us is to develop and learn and grow. And we have to do that by pushing boundaries and also by missing the mark and sinning and learning from our mistakes. Exactly. Right? So that's what we have to do. But I think it is a needy kind of um, characteristic in the mom. Like she's really saying, I want that stage where, uh, you know, you needed me and I, I need, I need to have that connection with you. Maybe because she's not, like we talked about, uh, we talked about this before that she's not getting the love from maybe her husband or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she knows that she'll get unconditional love from kids when they're young. And so maybe that's where they kind of want to go back to that stage, but that's not healthy in any way. And kids need to be able to be allowed to grow and, and become independent and you can still love them in a different way. And it's changing your boundaries as they grow and changing that, and that relationship and allowing it to, to grow and mature and change. And that's all about what life is. And it's interesting again, how people get stuck in, this was the brightest time in my life. Well, that doesn't mean that tomorrow might be something just as amazing. But if I look at that and I make that paradigm or that belief system, tomorrow's not going to be a great day because, oh, I've already lived that. Oh, that's the, the most wonderful time ever. That's not true because I'm not here and present and mindfully here where Heavenly Father's put me to be here experiencing joy. So. Well, it's true, and, and I mean, you know, the uh, the the beauty in in that, you know, when uh, your best days could be very well ahead of you, you have complete control over what your future days are, right? Well, you can choose. They may not yeah. mean that they turn out exactly like that. No, but, but you can control it a little bit. But you can, you like, can I'm going to go on vacation. I can't guarantee it's going to be rain or sunshine, but it's making accommodations and saying I can still have a wonderful day if it's raining outside. Or if it's sunny, it's just vacation your in mind. Arizona. You'll it, always have sunshine. Yeah, just vacation in Arizona. But it's a <laughs> mindset with that. All right, so let's hop into importance of family. Of why is it we have a family um, to teach us boundaries? And I always call it my little petri dish or proving ground for boundaries that I learn in my family are imperative to God's plan, but they need to be learned in a small unit in order for that child to grow within a safe place. And they need that smallness of here's my nuclear family. We're knit together. 
Um, but in all reality, we're all knit together in, in God's plan that we all are connected as brothers and sisters. We're all, you know, spirits or all energies. But the, the place to learn it is within a small unit, just like schools are small. School, they've done studies in schools that are larger, actually less effective. Kids learn less. They do not thrive emotionally in a large school. They do better in a small school because it's a sense of community. So just think of a family as a very small community and how I learn within that. The problem being that if I don't learn those from my parents because they don't exhibit them, first of all, and then they never teach me, then I don't understand how to be in the larger community, and that's where we have problems with delinquents and people break the law because they haven't been taught or they've chosen, if they have been taught, to break it, and then there's the consequence. And maybe they were taught it, but they didn't have a consequence, and that's where your child breaks a rule the consequence of the rule of breaking it is just as important as the rule itself and it needs to be swift and it needs to be not a punishment necessarily where i'm hurting them but a withdrawal of a positive stimulus or discipline which is teaching them and in that that's where children gain that sense of oh look i did and this is a, and this is part of teaching them, I did something positive, I get something positive. There's my positive consequence. Um, kind of like potty training. I went in the, you know, the toilet, I get an M&M or a Skittle or a sticker or whatever it is. And they want to do more of it because there's a positive reinforcer. Whereas if I go on the floor, my mom says, oh, you know, you, it, not in a punishing way. So shame would be shame on you you peed on the floor, you're a bad person. Not an effective way to work with it. That there's a goal and you say, oh, I peed on the floor, do I get a Skittle? No. (laughs) (laughs) And helping them have a consequence of let's clean it up and have them help you in some way or understanding, no, our goal is to do this behavior. And luckily all of us do become potty trained at some point and learn that boundary. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> that would be a weird society if people weren't potty if trained. If they weren't in that, but it's so it's in, and it's that with everything and and letting natural consequences. So let's talk about that too. In consequences in parenting, there's a natural consequence and a logical consequence. Natural consequences are always the best way to work with it, and that would be let's say a child touches a hot stove, they burn their hand. Natural consequence, it hurts and they are not going to do it again because I don't know many adults that stick their hand on the stove time after time because they understand that. (laughs) Probably not the best thing to do. No, maybe, who knows, maybe some methods do that. Well, and that would be when they're not in their right mind. Right. But, and those are always the best because they learn swiftly and they will learn in a way that the parent didn't have to get involved. But many times it's a logical consequence you come in an hour late from your curfew, there is no logical consequence to that except, ooh, I got to stay out later with my friends and have more fun. That's where the parents need to come up with some kind of logical consequence that would be a boundary with that, which typically I tell them, so if they come in an hour late, that means the next night you double it, you need to be home two hours early, which means, oh, you only got to go out for two hours, so I guess you're not going out tomorrow night. And that would be a great logical consequence because they would learn, I need to be home on time. Yeah. I don't know if I ever learned that lesson. And that's where your parents didn't necessarily give you that no. that freedom. And it's still freedom within that without grounding them for a month. That's not grounding your kid for a month's not effective. No, no, it's it's not. It's just sort of that 
game going back and forth of I would have an unreasonable curfew, let's say, and I would stay out later because my friends were able to stay out later and I come back and then I'm grounded and it's just a cycle. It's all, it mm-hmm. never got out of that that. And you point. didn't increase in love with your parents because no. there was no conversation about why. And There wasn't. No, and, and that's it's interesting to see that you know they didn't understand boundaries either, right? Really? No, as, I, it wasn't. As, as, par- as new parents, they taught. just didn't. No, it wasn't taught, and that's. I mean, the you know the again growing up strict Catholic. That's this is you know not uncommon. I'm not the only person who's dealing with this kind of stuff growing up as a Catholic, right? Uh, but you're kind of. I mean, fear is the boundary when you're growing mm-hmm. up in a lot of Catholic homes. That's what it is, and that's not effective because it it doesn't teach you the proper structure of what a boundary needs to be so you know when right we're, and we go back to god is love and and that's you know that's what we're taught and god's loving nature isn't passive it's active love multiplies itself and god will multiply his love just as our parents multiply their love and it the family is this unit for children to understand love and that's the only way they understand god's love is through parents love and for them to understand that the nurturing and the the boundaries are set for them out of love just as god has boundaries for them again that are done out of love yeah completely and that's uh, it's it's I, I think part of the problem is when we don't recognize that i mean a lot of people will will push back against boundaries and i mean there's boundaries in society there's boundaries in law there's boundaries from our government there's boundaries from your faith and your religion and for the most part they're designed to protect you and to be uh, good for you, but a lot of people, uh, and there are some boundaries that get set with, I think, with government and things like that that are not healthy and not appropriate and whatnot. And that's a whole other thing. But uh, and people what's have the wrong attitude people, about boundaries. Right. But with government, it's good because at least here in America, we have the ability to have our voice be heard and say, I don't agree with that. Right. Luckily, I mean, that's exactly, that, that's that's one of the benefits of living in this in this country. And, and that really was the whole reason that this country was founded and, and set up that way by God to, to give us all of that. And, and uh, to, uh, you know, it goes into um, religion and all that kind of stuff uh, with that. But we have so many freedoms in this country uh, as a result of that. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, there, there, we, we've seen, you know, recently, especially in the past few years, there's lots of boundaries being set that are more for control and not for freedom. And they take away more than, than they really allow us. And they're for other political reasons, uh, right. which we may not always understand, but it's kind of obvious. And, and again, it's the focus of having a boundary based out of love and not out of fear. And many times the political ones are set out of fear that I don't want to offend someone and I don't want them to feel like this freedom has been taken away. And it's that it's kind of the separation of church and state, which is, is an interesting balance between the two, but we're seeing less and less moral ethical decisions because of that fear as opposed to out of love. And that, and that's why I think what's missing within sometimes in that political realm is what's done out of love and what's done out of fear or f- fear of offending or hurting someone else. No, it's very true. There's this, this whole political correctedness agenda is exactly all about that. Uh, I think there are boundaries that are set out of power as well. Uh, instead of, out of, I mean, they're definitely a lot out of fear. There, there's a big concern with, with all of that to the point where it's it's gotten where there are no boundaries because all of a sudden, well, we don't, we don't want to offend anyone. So anything goes now and it's mm-hmm. right. It's creating a boundaryless society. And, uh, that's a whole interesting topic that ties into, uh, the adversary and his agenda to 
eliminate agency or our free will. And uh, that is, that's a whole nother uh, series episode we want to get into, but it's very, very interesting stuff what's happening. And and I think, you know, it's, it's by design in a lot of cases. And so it's, and we're going to talk about more about this. So stay tuned in the next one about facing our tents towards, towards the temple or towards God, as opposed to facing them towards the world. And that's where we're going to get into that balance of that. But if we do that within our homes, and I think that's what happens is many times our children are looking at the world especially teenagers, they go to school, they're influenced, they see the world and they want to be a part of that, which I get that. And that's a very real experiment and curiosity and learning. And they do need to find out what's in the world, not necessarily by becoming immersed in it, but by seeing, understanding, gaining a knowledge and saying, no, I choose to do these things and letting them choose through making their mistakes, but having them be responsible for those choices and not rescuing them from it. And and that's the thing that God has this way. He, there's there's always a consequence and it's him teaching us you need to be responsible for that consequence because that's where the test and the trial comes in and again having our children learn responsibility and not being a boundary parent and not stepping in and saving them over and over. Right, and, and that's, you know, when we talk about uh, discipline, because there's a big, uh, we'll talk about this in a second, but there's a big uh, gap uh, between uh, discipline and the difference between discipline and punishment, mm-hmm. and that is uh, influences how people make their boundaries. But with discipline, there are positive facets of discipline, right? Proactivity, prevention, instruction, it's basically education and training. Mm-hmm. Uh, the negative facets of discipline would be correction, chastisement, and consequences. And um, But both of those are needed. That's, that's, that's exactly the, what it exactly, is. Exactly, the, the, there's the, a balance. Good boundaries have both. That's the point. Mm-hmm. When we say negative facets, it doesn't mean that they're wrong, but there's, you know, there's, they're opposites of yin and yang when it comes to discipline. That's like saying night is wrong and day is, is right. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. That's not what we're talking about. You day need both. Day is just day and night is just night. And right. there's got to be opposites in, in everything. And that's what the world is right. about. Well, right. exactly. And, and, you know, letting children suffer the consequences of their actions to be able to learn a lesson in responsibility is, you know, it, it, it can be seen as a negative side of it, but it's a very, very necessary uh, side of all of that. Right. And, um, and, and let's go into why. So yeah. it's necessary for our kids to be responsible because whenever we sin, we need to partake of the atonement to become cleansed, to be able to re, to become pure to return with our Heavenly Father. But if I never take responsibility for the sin and I put it on the heads of someone else and I say, well, that was my parents' fault because they did this or they never taught me this or this was someone else's fault, then I can't repent for it because I've never taken ownership and responsibility for it to be able to partake of the atonement. And that is why the a hundred percent reason that we're here to to live, and it's teaching our kids. No, you are responsible for that mistake, for that sin. Please understand that doesn't mean you're bad or wrong. And that's the problem: is parents shame them, then they feel bad or wrong, and they don't want the responsibility. Love them and say no. It's okay. It's okay that you made that mistake, but you are still responsible for the consequences of that, whatever those happen to be. It's true, and that's a very common way to to discipline using shame and guilt, especially again in our church. It's a very cultural thing that people grow up with, and you know, it, to me, it's it's extremely destructive because it takes away from a child's understanding of the atonement. When you're shamed into, you know, when you sin, you're, there's guilt and shame, and 
and, and all these things that, uh, you know, where you miss the mark and you shouldn't be doing this and shouldn't be doing that, it creates a, a, it's, you know, a, real, it creates a thing in, in, in the child's mind, right? That they shouldn't do those things or that I can't try something new. I can't fail mm-hmm. because it's a sin and I'm not supposed to do that. And the child is getting a, a really distorted understanding of the atonement when the reality is the atonement is already done and paid for everything you've ever done and will do has been paid for and it's not wrong to sin because if you make these choices and their mistakes you're going to learn from them and then the atonement covers it if it's a sin and you don't have to worry about it right and can you see that that is within the boundaries the difference of and this is the culture of the church don't sin christ won't have to pay the price and you're causing him to suffer, which there's zero truth to that. No. He's already paid the infinite price. It's already been taken care of. It's, it's an overarching infinite, meaning we don't understand that. But it's okay to sin as opposed to it's okay to sin. Here's the infinite atonement. Learn and grow from that and set now. Learn the boundary. And, and respect the boundary because it's your responsibility, not mine. But if the parent sets the boundary for the kid, shames them about it, then the, it's no wonder the child puts the responsibility back on the parent because you're the one who set that boundary and, and, and took responsibility whenever I screwed up. So let's say that I have the car and my, you know, we're back to the driving. Joe Peck is out driving at 16 instead of whenever he got oh, his 17. Oh, at 17. I wasn't allowed to get my license at 16. Right. Cause, ah. but you go out and you crash the car and then your parents, I never did that by the way. <laughs> But your parents then say, see, we knew you couldn't trust you. That's why you shouldn't have gotten your license at 16. We wanted to wait until 17. They pay for the car repair. You've learned nothing except, wow, shameful that I made a mistake and that I chose to get my license at 16. My parents are right. I am wrong. And I don't have the right to choose. The self-esteem issue creeps into play there as well. You start to doubt yourself and you start to wonder, you know, every other future choice you make, am I ready for this choice? Should I even be making this choice? I don't even know. And you start to go to the worst case scenario. It's like, well, what if I, this happens if I make this choice and it just, it messes you up. And and it's a, a mindset again that that parent has created within the child as opposed to an open mindset of the parent being glad that they, again, the different message would be, I'm so glad that you aren't hurt. It's a mistake. It can be fixed. And we'll talk about your responsibility. And the parent may not make them pay for the whole repair, but at least they need to have some skin in the game of, I need to be financially responsible for that. I'm going to talk about why it happened. And you know? why, Were they right. and distracted? Were they sure. listening to music? Were they talking to their friends? And so let's set boundaries in the car when you're in the car. So, you know, you, you know, your friends, if they're in the car, they're not allowed to distract you. Someone else turns up and down the music. You stay focused on the road, right? You shouldn't be on your phone when you're driving. Your friends should not be trying to show you something on their phone. If they do, they're not allowed to ride in the car with you. Well, they already have a law about that here in Arizona. You, oh, yeah, they do? Yes. You can't have, when you're a teenager, you can't have your friends in the car with you. It has to be a parent. Oh, you can't? You, yeah. Wow. All my kids live in Utah, so I don't even know right. about There are different laws. laws within this. Yeah. And that's the thing, though. They understand, and the laws of the land help to prevent that. And again, they're done out of love and teaching your kids that that's love. And it may take some time now to earn your parents' trust back to take the car back out again because of that. Or the boundary might be set when you have it paid, then you can have the privilege of having the car back again. And and that's important to continue to use this this teaching method of discipline as opposed to hurting. The shaming is hurting them. I want to hurt you and have you do it out of fear or out of shame as opposed to doing it out of love. 
Well, let's talk about that, uh, discipline versus punishment okay. and the differences. So, for example, punishment, and I'm well-versed in punishment because my whole life growing up was all about punishment, punishment. right? It was. And, uh, you know, disguised as discipline or thought it was discipline, but it felt like punishment to me. So punishment is more of a payment for wrongdoing, right? And it's not, it's not a great teacher because it does not leave room for practice or mistakes, which is true. Mm-hmm. You make a choice, you make a, the wrong choice, and you get punished. But and I often that's feel that that's why I don't put myself out there is because I was taught that, that if you don't make mistakes, you won't get hurt, and therefore it's easier to just live within a small self as opposed to going out and taking that's more That's the culture of the church. That's how right. people are raised in the church. It's sad, it's wrong, and it doesn't prepare you for the world in any way. The world is not like that, and you eventually have to go live in the world once you grow up, and you're not prepared for it, but that's, that's a horrible mindset. It doesn't work at all. Um, so discipline, on the other hand, it's a natural law of God, and uh, our actions reap the consequences um, that we do. Um, punishment looks back, and f- this is interesting, punishment looks back and focuses on payments for things mm-hmm. in the past. Discipline looks forward. The lessons we learn from discipline now help us to not make the same mistakes in the future. Very interesting. Right. And again, dis- discipline comes from the root word of disciple, the disciples taught. It's the same idea. Discipline is teaching your children. And I really like what um, Henry Cloud says whenever he talks about that discipline always moves children towards more internal structure and more responsibility. I want more responsibility. I want to make this structure because I've learned that through this structure, I thrive and I am able to capable of achieving more. And I have things that I want, like a bedtime would be a good one. Let your kid stay up and then they go to school exhausted and they realize I can't learn or I I'm so fuzzy or I have a hard time getting up and they go to bed early. And then inside they say, wow, I'm more present. I do better at school. I have more fun. It's more enjoyable. And it's, I mean, adults have a problem with that too. Yeah, that's Let's true. Talk about, right. Or my friends make fun of me because I fell asleep in class. Right. <laughs> that's a consequence. A of, consequence. Or the teacher, like you know, yeah. the, there was some type of for, consequence yeah. that I have to have detention or something because I fell mm-hmm. asleep in class. But mm-hmm. all of those things are for their good to, to teach them. But you want them, you want your kids to develop an internal, think of it as a scaffolding or a structure that keeps them in a, they become less fragile because they have this ability to have this structure that supports them throughout their lives based on their consistent choices. And it continues through adulthood. We still have to make choices every day. And it, there's our moral and ethical structure inside that we then say, oh, I, no, I don't, I'm not going to do that because I've tried that before and it didn't bring me anything positive. And that's where I've developed that boundary from. Exactly. And uh, the, the benefit of discipline instead of punishment is that it frees us to make mistakes without fear of judgment. And that's, that's a huge lesson, and that, that ties directly into the atonement. That's the whole thing about the atonement as well, which is exactly why we have it and, and the purpose uh, of it, why God even had an atonement in the first place. Um, we, we want to have our kids... Uh, or we want our kids to have the opportunity to choose responsibility or suffer the consequences versus I always felt that that choice was taken away from me. That choice was made for me, right? And there's a different, can you see the, the, it's a belief or a paradigm of what you created. I don't have the right to make this choice. And so I'm going to rebel 
and go against what they said because that's the only way that I find my freedoms. You've just created rebelliousness in your child whenever you don't allow them those freedoms. Teaching your children to come to you and say, let's talk about this. And you say to your parents, hey, all the rest of my friends are out until this time. I don't understand why I'm not. And, and, in, and again, maybe your parents can say, well, we don't really trust those friends. You can choose your friends, but maybe right now we don't have a level of trust. And then you be able to have the conversation, then how do I build that trust? And it might be, well, let's have your friends over here. Mm-hmm. And then your friends either behave in a skillful way or an unhealthy way. And your parents can say, well. Told you. Well, <laughs> or, well, yeah, but see, the conversation for me was always because I said so. I say, why can't I stay out like they can stay out? Because I said so. And, this, and the that thing is, it. boundaries, the first most important thing with our kids is to develop a connection. And as soon as your parents say, I said so, they've severed that connection completely mm-hmm. because it's this place of authority and unrighteous dominion. And I have, if I look at it that I have dominion over you, I'm here and it's going to be my way or the highway and that's authoritarian. It's only exists with the, but you, there's no freedom for those children and they're going to rebel because that's their only way to exercise that agency. It is absolutely. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I always feel like I have to say that, uh, you know, my mom and I have a really, really good relationship <laughs> now, uh, which is, uh, which is great. And we, we kid about all this kind of stuff, but when talking about the separation and the severance, uh, that's exactly what happened to me. We, I've talked about in other episodes that, uh, I became very withdrawn growing up because of all of this. And that's exactly Which, what it was. It was literally being separated. I have a hard separated. time p- picturing Joe as well, withdrawn because well, that, is yeah. not, that is not his typical. No, I, well, on the outside, like, he really I, is. it's not. And, and you're right. And, you know, when I was out with my friends, I was who I am now, let's say, or just a completely different person. And my friends would come over and like, I'm really withdrawn at home. Like, like who are you? Yeah. Like, we don't, we don't recognize. So it's a totally different thing. It's kind and of how it was. You probably didn't want your friends in your home because you didn't want your mom shaming them or telling them what I don't to know. do. There wasn't yeah. maybe a level of I mean, trust I, with that. I, I think I, I did because I wanted to be normal kid. Right. And, and, uh, but it was always more fun going over to my friend's house. I liked getting out of the environment and going to my friend's house and hang out with them. I felt a little more freer and had maybe more responsibility, but I kind of, I think deep down I wanted my parents and my mom mostly, but to, and to, to, you know, to really accept my friends and like my friends, which she did to be honest. I mean, you know, I always had good friends and, and neighbors. And so my parents knew their parents and there wasn't really, I, I never hung around with kids that weren't, you know, good kids to hang out with anyway. Um, but I, I, well, I longed for, for all of that. But at the same time, there's this fear about, well, her rules, you know, that you don't want her pushing that onto my friends or them seeing how she reacts, right, when we say these things to her or whatever the case is. So I kind of went back and forth, but it was, uh, it, w- it was interesting. And um, it, it's now, for me, it's, it's very interesting to see, you know, how all this makes sense, right? How, well, yeah, all of this was because we didn't have boundaries set and we didn't communicate well and, and, and just looking back and analyzing everything, it's kind of given me some answers. Yeah, and so let's talk about, too, setting boundaries like your parents did, which was very strict and authoritarian as opposed to no boundaries or even lack of consequences, where my child makes a decision and then there is no consequence because I, as a parent, don't want them to hurt. And and many times that's like, well, I'm not punishing them. I understand that, but if they don't hurt or they don't have that consequence from that, they're not going to learn um, uh, the biggest one that comes to my mind is you have a teenage daughter and she gets pregnant and that is 
a, that's a huge consequence. Like that is to me is one of the it's life changing. It is. It's the biggest consequence, but there's many choices at that point. What do you do with your child and, and that consequence? And if you are within our church, the, then, she, you know, depending if, you know, how that consequence came about, but let's say she had a boyfriend, it would be continuing to give birth to that child and then making a decision what would be the hell again? And it's a boundary. What's the healthiest thing for that baby to experience a life of joy and happiness and have the best outcomes? And that, that would be one of the hardest boundaries to set as a, a human being is to give someone, to give a baby up. And that would be a, a lifelong consequence that that person would, would learn from. And that's, a, that's, like I said, that's probably to me one of the biggest consequences or boundaries. But that's God's law, and God's law will not change. That- well, exactly. And I think that was, you know, another thing was dating with, with me, and I really wasn't allowed to, to date until much older in my teens, let's You're like say. 30 by your parents' time? I was 30, my parents-, parents finally said, okay, you can go you on You can finally date. Finally, wow. It was a long time. <laughs> but it was, uh, even then, it, like, I wasn't allowed to have a girlfriend, though. You could, have, you could date. Which but- is interesting, again, that they set that boundary for you, yeah. that it's not your because choice. Because they think, hey, listen, if you have a girlfriend, you're spending all your time with her, you're going to get her pregnant. But like, it's Something's going to happen. Totally it's based out of fear, fear, as opposed to love that we want you to connect with another girl within the bounds of some 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 rules or some... Uh, guidelines of kind of like for the strength of youth. And that's what I like about those guidelines. If you follow these basic guidelines, that's not going to happen. Not being alone in a bedroom together, you know, choosing to do things as a group, which in my mind is more, way more fun whenever you're a teenager than just hanging out alone all the time together, but still learning how to have those connections with a girl, which is healthy and what you want. Well, it's very healthy. And I mean, eventually you're going to want to get married usually, or have relationships with uh, the opposite sex. And, you know, if you're starting to develop what that is like when you're 25, that's, I don't think you're, you know, in a good situation. Like you need to be able to develop connections with the opposite sex. I'd agree with that. But there are some people that are emotionally immature. And usually that's because they have some type of like autism or, you know, things Mm -hmm. where maybe at 25 is when that really comes to fruition. You you can't, you can't put a, a particular date on it but it's again teaching your children healthy relationships and the biggest thing that teaches them that is healthy boundaries between you and your spouse yes what what i was thinking is uh you know if you decide hey listen i do want to get married someday and be with somebody but if you've never been on a date right if if you've never talked to a girl you've got to you've got to ramp up in terms of developing relationships just talking to girls and being around girls and being comfortable talking to the opposite sex, if you start doing that when you want to get married, I mean, it's going to be a rough road. Right? That's all impossible. I'm saying. Is that you need to have that opportunity well, to like develop saying, those relationships, but within the boundaries. I'm going to run before I ever walk. Well, that's, yeah, exactly. That's mm-hmm. the thing. But like keeping your teenager away from girls or boys, right, because you're afraid that something's going to happen is not doing them anything at all because they're not going to know how to even develop a relationship with the opposite sex. Right. And again, that's out of fear. And that's one thing I do like about churches and religions is youth groups and how it teaches them to have those connections in a healthy place that they create different opportunities for them. Well, they need to be created and it's very important, but the boundaries are vital because kids don't know necessarily, you know, the consequences of making bad choices, let's say in those situations. And, and again, those are some of the biggest life changing things out there. Consequences, right. That, you know, that's not the lesson you want to learn, right? You don't have to get 
pregnant as a teenager to know that that's a bad idea. And yet sometimes you can even watch other people make that mistake and you go, oh, that's, and, and they do learn. And it's good to know that we can watch mm-hmm. others and learn from those right. things. But again, to me, I give that as an extreme example. It's, it is. In it that, is. But again, it, it, it would might be, be really... God's plan for that person too. You don't know. Right? And, and, I, and I bring that up. I'm adopted and I, my mom was in high school and she chose to give me up for adoption, which I thank Heavenly Father every day for that, and was given to parents who couldn't have children that loved me and, uh, you know, because I was a gift from God, basically, because they couldn't have kids and they really wanted kids. And what a blessing that was for her to do that. And, and I'm sure she learned a lot. Oh, yeah, I know. And I, I mean, I, I can think of two really close friends of mine that uh, I've known most of my life and who uh, they both end up getting pregnant in high school with their boyfriends. And to this day, they are still married to those boyfriends and have mm-hmm. beautiful families. It's really weird seeing that they have kids, you know, that much older, that older, and right? statistics <laughs> are against them with that. Oh, completely, hundred percent. No, they beat the odds immensely. But it still happens. It does, but it's it's beautiful to see that that happened, and you know, it wasn't a bad thing at all. It had a great happy ending but, for everybody. But let's go back again, and let's talk about that. That's even a boundary of taking responsibility. That whenever the girl became pregnant, the boy said, that's my responsibility. We will get married, which is within the bounds that the Lord has said. It's a little backwards. You know, you get married first and have kids, but still we're going to work within that. And we're going to create a home of love together for that child, all based out of healthy boundaries again. It is exactly. And I mean, I, I know, um, personally the parents of one of these girls because I used to hang out with her and, and spent time at her home and we were just friends uh, and there's always a group of us around and um, that's the home that she grew up in very very healthy boundaries mm-hmm. beautiful wonderful amazing parents who are just the sweetest couple you'll ever meet and uh, one of my favorite families uh, are those people I have yeah. to say so okay this is kind of all leading into uh, why children need boundaries which is I think something we need to talk about because I don't know that people really completely understand. I think if you understand why your kid needs a boundary, then you're more willing to invest in setting proper boundaries with mm-hmm. your kids, right? There's lots of reasons. So, for, And some of these are obvious, like self-protection, right? Well, and that's keeping my soul protected, spiritual protection of, you know, when someone challenges something that I have a belief system in that I can say with a, a voice. Children need to have a voice and say, I don't believe in that. If someone brings it up and you can di- learning to disagree is very important and not self-protective. Also, whenever we talked about, you know, touching uh, bodies and things, it is, you teach them that these are the bounds, but if they're not allowed to have those boundaries at home, let's say that, um, and, and you know, whenever it's time for me to change that, I'm not allowed to shut the bathroom door because my mom wants to see that's not a boundary. They need to know my body is special. I need to be able to change and have that boundary. I need to be able to protect myself and have that place of safety. They need to be able to say no to things that can harm them, but they have to understand that's okay to do that. And you have to understand the difference, right? When this is the boundary and yeah, I understand as a kid that we don't cross this. Right. Because that can hurt me. Because it hurts me and it hurts other people. And it's the same with taking responsibility. It's a huge boundary. Teach your children, I need to be responsible for myself. That's mothers going in and cleaning up their kids' rooms. You're not teaching them to clean up, doing all of their dishes, washing all of their clothes, you know, telling them how to spend their money. No, you have responsibility. You choose. And they, you know, they, they, they ran out of money. Okay, well, I guess you're not spending anything. If their room's a mess, there. If there's some type of a boundary of it's either clean or 
my favorite one is you go take everything that's laying on the floor and it's mine for a month and they go, well, I don't have any underwear. And you're like, well, it's going to be a really long month, isn't it? You're going commando for a while, kid, aren't you? Yes, you're going to wash your underwear every night, whatever. It's a good learning experience. I don't have any socks. Well, you, I asked you and I told you have it, have it clean by Saturday at five o'clock at Saturday at five. I will take everything off the floor. You were gone. I took everything off the floor. It's not yours. (laughs) <laughs> for a month they learn pretty a, fast then, uh, they do but then you also have a plan for them to earn that back and, yes right obviously it's not a punishment no. it's a discipline right no exactly. and it's play, it can be playful of, oh yeah you know, if you'd like your socks back you can pay me a dollar for those <laughs> <laughs> that's a good well they'll definitely learn fast with that uh, for sure okay so interesting to note about that taking responsibility for their needs is that without solid boundaries uh, it becomes difficult for them to distinguish uh, their own needs from the needs of others and they end up becoming, um, they become sponges and they feel like they have to absorb other people's stuff or take on other stuff and they need to fix their problems and they're unhealthy or that someone else needs to do that for them as opposed to being autonomous. And this is me, I have responsibility and I, and I love and accept that and I thrive within that environment. Absolutely. Um, there's a uh, saying here that I like uh, called safe suffering, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Uh, I hadn't heard that before, but basically the idea is allowing your kids to experience age-appropriate consequences, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, I mean, flying off the handle and beating your kid or punishing your kid because they forgot to take their dishes and put them in the, in the sink, right? Things like that, not appropriate. And, and, and likewise, punishing them as an adult is not appropriate if they're a child. So it, it's very important to have, when you're disciplining, right, that the experiences are age appropriate as well for they need to understand because this is all about learning it's not about punishment it's all about learning and if you're creating a, a consequence that they don't understand because it's they're too young to understand that that doesn't do them any good right and they it's get confused and again it's following the spirit to be able to do that and in that discipline teaching them at an age appropriate level so your two-year-old is not responsible to clean up their own room they don't have that capability yet but they can help you pick up their toys they can. They can. That's where they learn that responsibility. And they, they would be interesting to that. tell my child to change their own diaper. Yeah, I'm kind of tired of changing diapers. Could you just... Could, uh, could you just do it yourself? I'm busy right now. Yeah. Here are the wipes. Here you. you know what to do. You've seen me do it a hundred <laughs> times. You know what to do. <laughs> yeah. That would be an interesting uh, experience. It <laughs> would be. Uh, that'd make a fun short film too. <laughs> Depends on where they paint all of their oh bodily gosh. fluids yeah. at that point. That's uh, that's not cool um, for sure. So this is interesting uh, about um, all all of this. Uh, encouraging kids to verbally express their needs. Super important to express their emotions, to express their needs. Um, I was just talking to a client yesterday. She is. Um, has had migraines lately and her pain level had gotten to the point where she needed to go to the emergency room Mm -hmm. and expressing that to her parents. It was kind of frustrating for them. She's been there numerous times recently because they can't figure out what's wrong with it. And, and it's really difficult for her to get the validation and for them to listen into that boundary. That's an interesting boundary. I, I hurt so badly and it's even within ourselves because for a teenager, it'd be hard to distinguish. Do I really need to go to the emergency room or can I take care of this myself? I find that as an adult, whenever, how much pain am I really in? And, and that's a definite boundary, but she did, she did need to go there and her parents listened. But sometimes that's a hard one is really listening, validating, and knowing your child well enough to know when they, they do need those things. Well, absolutely. Um, it's, it's, it is important to, uh, to teach kids all of this ownership of their needs, being responsible for themselves, 
Because it's important uh, for them to understand that their own success or failure in life depends on them. And I don't, you know, I don't know that people will kind of um, be tuned into that as parents. Uh, kids are responsible for their choices, teaching them that. Right. Again, it's easy to take the choice away from kids because we know better, right? We, we don't want them to make a mistake, <laughs> right? We, uh, we, we, um, they can only blame their problems on themselves is another thing. Teaching them that it's someone else's responsibility when you make a choice is not, is not good. Uh, and, and then uh, teaching them that they can't rely on other people to bail them out. Right. Goes along with that. Right. That it's not someone else's responsibility. The other thing is expressing their emotions that I have the responsibility to be able to say, I'm angry, letting them own that and saying, okay, that's your anger. You own that. And, and it's not anyone's fault. Again, we're back to that boundary again. That, That anger is yours, allowing them to express sadness without trying to cheer them up or saying, oh, it's really not that bad. Because parents think, oh, I'm doing such a great job. Be happy about, oh, we can be happy. No, I feel crappy right now. I don't want to be happy. They have every right to say that. But it's theirs to own. It is. And and the same thing with like encouraging your kids to ask questions. That was never... Especially <laughs> questions life, about right? hard topics like let's I want to know about sex or I want to know about my oh, body. Hell no. and, well no. Well, seriously, parents is like no. Let's go let's go watch TV. I no. want to know about my body and how this works and, and or these emotions. I'm feeling this about this and parents it's like get, honey, you need to go talk to your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> but they get all squirmy and, and and uncomfortable and and that's what parents again are for is this loving place that is safe to go to and that there's these safe boundaries to be able to talk about anything with me. Well, it's the problem. You're sending a message that it's not okay to talk about these certain things. We don't talk about these kinds of things and you shouldn't do that. We don't talk about Bruno because he is the the dark sheep of the family and he's living in the house, but we don't talk about that that, That's where, I mean, that's, uh, you know, kind of my experience and that's why I did have a hard time communicating with with uh, people that were close to me or in situations that were confrontational or anger or anything like that or you know anything intimate uh, with my um, ex for example and things like that like I and I didn't realize why all of this was happening I just knew that I sort of withdrew and had in some cases had problems communicating and because you're you, you're not you you're taught that it's not okay to talk about these things or you shouldn't bring those things up and then we go back to your marriage because as you brought this up in the past because I've learned that boundary with myself I go into my marriage and I do the exact same thing whenever there's a problem with my spouse and myself I just withdraw because that's the boundary that was set within there the right. shame on you for feeling and experiencing these things let's say I don't let my kids express anger frustration sadness grief my favorite, I had a kid, their grandparent had died, and the, the, they just loved their grandparent, and their mom was on the phone, and they, and the mom, it's her parent, you know, gets off the phone, hangs up, and says, your grandma died. That was it. Just no, like that. No tears, no nothing, and they're like, weren't well, you really sad? No. And the kid didn't know how to respond, of, of like, but I'm feeling all of these things inside. I don't know what I'm, what's right, what's wrong, how do I validate what I'm really feeling? And, and the parent didn't ever allow them to really express that no. or give them a space to do that as opposed to, I'm not really feeling sad right now. What are you feeling? Curiosity. Let's, let's just be, you know, be present to that. And I'm really feeling like I want to cry. Okay, that's a wonderful thing. I, can you see how you allow them and encourage them to feel whatever is present as opposed to, oh, we know the eternal plan. She's going to be with us again, so we don't need to cry about it. And there's religious. There you just cross that boundary. Yeah of unrighteous dominion and oh our religion's going to take care of all of that no that's not why heavenly father created emotions to, no not to at feel. all 
Well, I know, and that's a very, I mean, a common thing. Anyone who's listening who's Catholic knows growing up, um, you know, we're not encouraged to share emotions. I never really felt like I could. I never felt like, you know, there was a lot of um, love expressed in my family growing up, even looking at my grandparents. This is not something that people did. I mean, I know my parents love me. I do. I, I love them. I love my grandparents. I knew my grandparents loved me as well. But no one ever expresses it. No one ever mm-hmm. says it. Like, I, I'm struggling to remember times, you know, when my parents would say, or even grandparents would say, I love you, you know, just like that. I'm sure they did, right? But it's just, it wasn't, it just wasn't part of the thing. And I, you know, I said this before, I tell my kids every time I talk to them, I'm always saying that I love them every time I want them to know that and understand that. And they say it back and we have a beautiful relationship. And along those lines, whenever I'm frustrated with my kids, I'll say to them, I'm really frustrated because they need to know I love them, but it's okay that I feel frustrated whenever my daughter had this thing she got at the dollar store and it would make this this annoying noise and she's just very ADD. And yesterday in the car, we're driving to dance and she just keeps going. I'm like, oh, well, uh, it's frustrating me. Can you please put it away? And she understands. Yeah. Okay, I'm creating this emotion through this noise over and over and yeah. over in the car. You drive you crazy. <laughs> right. And and it's but you need to express all the myriad of emotions. I'm frustrated, I'm hurt, I'm sad, I'm grieving. I'm and, and and your kids see you as human, and then they understand that you're vulnerable. And they see and it's okay to do that too. They, we know that they're feeling these things, but in most cases, I think not many parents encourage their kids to really do that. They just say, "Oh, stop crying," or you know, they don't really let them identify their emotions and talk to them about their emotions. And that's the sense of having control and choice. Right. I'm. I choose. I feel the emotion, and I can choose. Your child can say, "I really don't want to talk about it right now." Let them choose to do that they have the emotions to feel and experience don't try and make them fit into the box that you want them to fit into and because that's your that's your belief system and your boundary it's not theirs right and that's the thing you know parents will commonly take those choices away or make those choices for the kids because they are worried right it's fear that these kids will make a mistake and they'll suffer or whatever, but that's damaging, right? Because it, it prevents these kids from creating these this ability to, to adapt and to make choices and make changes in their lives and under, understand the consequences that come from that. They really need to, kids need to understand, I think one of the best things you can do for your kid is help them understand that their destiny in life is based on the choices they make mm-hmm. for themselves, not someone else. Exactly. And, and yeah, and it's letting them choose how they're going to do things, including what am I, how are these choices going to add up? And that's the longitudinal thing, like the delaying gratification of goals. You know, I, if you just give your kids things, okay, let's set this goal. I'm going to give it to you and then you can pay me back. That doesn't teach them the boundary of, I need to earn the money. I need to save for this. And it's the choice of, do I save and have this bigger thing or do I just spend and get smaller things? And at the end, you know, they often look at their brother who has something big and they, they got a bike and I got 50 candy bars and they go, well, 50 candy bars. That well, sounds pretty good too though. Well, yeah, not as cool as bike though, whenever you're a kid, but it, and you teach them, well, he chose and he delayed the gratification and you didn't. You know, that's the choice. And, and again, it's all about choices and all about boundaries and allowing them to learn within those limits. Well, it plays into a bigger picture here, too, because God is teaching us things, right? Teaching us about, like, planning and preparation, right, and delaying gratification. And again, the family unit is this little 
this little tiny example of eternal because eternal consequences of all the choices you make, let's say for 90 years, that's a long time mm-hmm. as opposed to saving up for a couple months for a bicycle or three months. And that's where it, that's imperative that you teach children those things because they'll never get the long term hey, this is eternal life if I've never learned the boundary of having to save. That's where credit cards kind of do a disservice to people Mm is, oh, I'll just buy it on this credit card and then I'll pay it off on the backside. That's a a really unhealthy boundary. No, very unhealthy. And I mean, you know, our our same thing with our phones. Uh, And I mean, our phones are amazing and we... There's so many benefits to having the technology we have on the earth today. I wouldn't want to live at a, a you know a different time in history at all than now. But at the same time, the technology we have is so good. It's so efficient. It's just so easy and convenient that it takes any kind of delayed gratification out of the equation completely. F- we can literally have anything we want on our phones right now instantly, almost for free, basically, whatever well, you want, depending on what you want. And right? the frustration level when it takes five seconds oh for it to come up. Wow, why isn't this working? And I think to myself, wow. We've, yeah, we've, we've failed as a, as a society, right, when, when we have no patience for anything at all like literally seconds, right? We can't even wait seconds to get what we want to get. That's, that is setting us up for failure as human beings. Exactly. And another thing, all of this again is by design. God is not saying, Hey, you know, delay gratification because I want you guys to suffer and I don't want you to have, you know, uh, your reward or whatever it is until the last possible minute. It's, uh, it's a, it's a way for us to become more like the savior because with delayed gratifications, another benefit is you're, you're becoming really a master of your desires, right? You're saying, listen, I, I know I want this result and, and I, I'm willing to wait for it. That creates patience and that creates goal setting and that you know, it creates a, a different mindset where you are willing to put things off to have something better down the road. And that is just creating more and more you know, attributes like the Savior. Uh, but it's also, you know, allowing you to become a master of your desires, not becoming a slave to your desires, mm-hmm. which is when you don't have any boundaries at all. And that's when we get into the righteous desires of our heart. And if I give into the mortal desires, I'm never going to go into those deeper righteous desires of my spirit and become in tune with those. And it's losing touch. And that's what I see people losing their in touch with their inside because everything is just so external and so worldly fa- based and, and again, mm-hmm. in a family, teaching your children to look away from the world and to look more of, of a place of eternal, that things are based upon eternal principles. Sure, we have to live within the worldly principles, but let's understand and gain faith and knowledge about eternal principles and base our lives off of those. Exactly. And then the, uh, the last need that we have here uh, for Boundaries for Kids is respecting the limits of others. Children need to understand and to learn how to respect the limits of others, or in other words, other people's boundaries. This is huge with parents. I will see parents who have no respect for others, and that's exactly how their kids live, and then they get really mad at their kids whenever they themselves don't <laughs> don't follow those. <laughs> do that, as I say, not as I do. I mean, that's kind of how I grew up a little bit too, right? That's a very common yeah. parenting t- technique, right? And and it's and it, and it's teaching your children. Like they'll say, "Well, no one will ever know." Oh, it's okay if we do this. You're teach. You're setting an example for your kids, and they grow up doing the exact same thing, and then it, it just perpetuates itself. Well, it does, and it also um, teaches them to understand that. Not everybody's going to want to play with you as a kid every time you want to play with them. Not everyone's going to want to watch the same show that you watch or play the same video games that you watch. 
And if you teach your kids to respect those limits, then they'll understand that. And they're not going to get upset. They're going to say, okay, this person just doesn't want to play right now. I'm going to find someone else to play with. And that's a totally great boundary for them to have. Versus flying off the handle and throwing a tantrum because so-and-so won't play with me right now. You know, mom, you got to fix this or that, that whole kind of thing. That's, that's horrible, right? That is not. Or the manipulation. If you loved me, you would let me do this or you would. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's that, a good one. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is. You might've pulled that one a couple of times or with you know, your kids might've pulled it. I confirm nor deny what one. I did as a youngster. So, yeah. And so I think a lot of this, again, and we, we boil it down into, is it done out of love or is it done out of fear? Am I having boundaries out of love or out of fear? Do I have boundaries with my children out of love or out of fear? Love is because I love them. They belong to Heavenly Father, and I want them to return to Him because they're my brother and sister that I love and I have a connection to. Fear is, wow, if I don't raise my kids right, people are going to see that I'm a bad parent and a bad person. I won't be liked and accepted, and no one's going to want to to you know, be that our... That defines f- the culture of our church, I'll be honest. It does. It does. Can you see the difference it's all about between appearances. the two? And, and, and the fear of if my kids are rotten, then it reflects poorly on me. That that's a huge fear. Like, oh, you know, I'm the bishop, and so if my daughter goes gets and gets pregnant, wow. Like, what, what are people going to think of me, right? That should never happen to the bishop's kid because for some reason those kids are better and more special than anyone else, right, whatever the case is. But that, that's, it, it is all about that, and they disguise it as, oh, we just want to discipline our kids or whatever it is. But there's a huge problem with, with appearances in our particular church, and maybe it's true in, in other churches as well. But that, that is a motivation for people to set unrealistic boundaries uh, for their kids. And, and there's all this fear and shame that comes from that. But there's, a lot of it is And then is when they that. break something, that the shame ensues because I'm, I'm feeling ashamed. And that's where the shame comes on the child. It's letting, us letting go of the shame, being vulnerable, meek, humble, submissive. And, and we talked about the scripture at the beginning. And for me, it just goes back to the scripture of um, unrighteous dominion in section 121 that no power influence can or ought to be maintained by virtue of the priesthood only by persuasion long suffering remember persuasion was one of the negative ones that was talked about in there long suffering by gentleness meekness and love unfeigned by kindness pure knowledge I like the pure knowledge a lot. It's for us to gain more pure knowledge to be able to teach our children through that. Well, that's our goal with the podcast. Is exactly. And that's pure, where pure knowledge is getting rid of that culture. It is the the pure, undiluted, that... Unfiltered. Un, yeah. That, that is truth that we bring to ourselves and to our children, which shall greatly enlarge the souls without hypocrisy and without guile. And raising my children without hypocrisy and without guile means I love them for who they are no matter what they do, just like God loves us no matter what we do. Reproving betimes with sharpness when moved upon by the Holy Ghost. And notice that the Holy Ghost is the one that's leading that because I'm in tune, not the world, not fear, not what some parenting person told me to do and I'm following a plan that someone else has laid out for my life. I'm being led and guided by personal revelation and through the Holy Ghost and then showing forth afterwards an increase of love towards him that thou hast reproved, lest he esteem thee to be thy enemy. And if I do need to discipline my children out of love, then there's this outpouring of love afterwards, because if they feel attacked, they're going to defend, and I have become their enemy. And that's where teenagers come a lot. You'll all hear them say, I don't like my parents anymore because they make me do these things, or they won't allow me 
these freedoms, but you know, I'll talk with them about sometimes the freedoms they want aren't healthy freedoms. You know, they won't allow me the freedom to stay out till three in the morning. Well, that's not really healthy for you and it's against the law. So maybe that's not a freedom either. Right. That's not the best thing to do. Or, you know, they won't let my girlfriend spend the night. Well, you know, at 16, that's probably not the best practice. Whenever you're an adult, you'll have plenty of nights that you can have sleepovers if you want. But you know, that, that for you is not a healthy thing. Your parents love you and that's why they want to set that boundary for you. But it's now telling your children that you love them and showing them that you love them. And parents will say, no, I'm going to withhold my love because then they'll want to please me and they'll change their behavior based on fear again, that their parents won't love and accept them. That's not what we want, the, the relationship we want with our children. Not at all. And so one final takeaway um, with boundaries with kids, uh, your kids are going to learn boundaries one way or another. They are going to learn boundaries. Well, so, they could be in jail and that would well, be a way that they learned. That's what I'm they, saying. Right? Yeah, so either you can teach them yeah. no when they're growing up or they can learn and take some boundaries through that or they can learn from the police or from prison. Right? right. That's the thing. But they are going to learn eventually. And we do have a responsibility. And I think possibly, dare I say, we may be accountable to God because we have been given stewardship over our children. And there's an expectation from God, right, that we have a responsibility and we have to own up to our responsibility with these kids. And uh, not to uh, put fear in your mind with this, right, but it's, it's about understanding the right perspective on all of this. We have that responsibility to teach our kids proper boundaries, healthy boundaries, using discipline and not using uh, punishment, and, and really just being allow, allowing them to understand the boundaries, make the mistakes that they need to make, and learn and, and teach them that whole process. And so they'll you know, grow up and, and have very, very healthy boundaries, and you'll be very proud of them. And your job will be a lot easier as a parent. Mm, if you teach them that isn't a guarantee but a guarantee but it well i mean it's easier if they have boundaries growing up than if they don't true and if i love my children it doesn't matter what they do i still love them and that's probably the thing that brings the lack of suffering is just things based out of pure love absolutely okay that wraps up another episode you guys are getting close to the end of our series on boundaries this is great it's been a lot of fun and uh, wonderful information here so tune in to uh, the next episode and in the meantime keep the faith keep a stick on the ice cheers thank you for listening to the impeccable perspective podcast subscribe to us on spotify amazon prime iHeartRadio, and wherever fine podcasts are sold oh.